0: I'm going to talk about truth. And I talk about truth a lot because it's important. And I'm going to talk about it from a slightly different perspective than I have recently. So hope this will be useful to you. We're getting ready to teach the book of Jeremiah on Tuesday evening. So I'm rereading a book by a guy named Yoram Hazoni, which is called The Philosophy of Hebrew Scripture. And he spends a lot of time talking about Jeremiah and one of the things that he talks about is that the word that is translated truth in the hebrew scriptures which is emet doesn't mean the same thing precisely as what the english or the greek word truth means different concept and because they're translated as truth we tend to think of it in the way we think of truth but it's not actually what's going on in western thought greek english any of those kinds of things Truth is a property of words. So if I say that is a computer and it in fact is a computer, then my words are true. Very straightforward. If I say that is a computer and it's not a computer, then my words are false. Very straightforward. Everybody, I think, understands that. But if I turn around and said that is a true computer, I've said something very different. What I've said is that device is useful for what I expect a computer to be able to do. So if I were to walk out and I say, that's a true bridge, what that means is that I can safely walk across the bridge and I can trust it to do what it is expected to do. In other words, I look at a bridge, I expect to be able to cross it. If I am able to cross it, then it is a true bridge, just like a true computer and so forth. So truth in Hebrew is a property of objects, whereas in the West, truth is a property of words. And if you don't understand that difference, then all sorts of things in the scriptures become perhaps tangled a bit. Last thing is, why is truth important? And just briefly, it's extremely important. Yeshua talks about it. God talks about it. Satan talks about it. Everybody talks about truth, so it's a really important thing. And to sort of pop up a level, this part of your life, which you're living right now on the earth, is the first part of your life. When you then pass from this world, you will go on to the next part of your life. And what Paul and Yeshua and everybody else uses is a metaphor of seed. The body that you plant in the ground becomes a seed, which is raised up at the resurrection, and you get a new body. So one of the reasons for this life is you are putting information into that seed so that you get a good crop at the resurrection. And if you don't put good information into that seed, you may have a crop failure at the resurrection. It's sort of simplistic. Now... There are beings that, as far as we know, are made directly in their final form. They're called angels. Angels don't go through this process we go through, at least as far as we know. From what we know, they don't do that. So there's something important about this part of your life that is useful then in God's eyes. And it's useful in God's eyes. I suppose it's useful in ours. That is useful in God's eyes for your resurrection. So... Truth down here becomes important to what you are in the resurrection. And as I say, it's entirely possible to get a crop failure, which is to say you don't make it in the resurrection. Not talking about any of you. I expect you'll all make it. the question then becomes, what kind of a thing will you be? So in today's reading, and let me give you context, last week's reading... We had this argument between Yeshua and the Pharisees. And I'm back in uh, John 8, 12 and 13. Again, Yeshua spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So that's the context that we have today's reading in. And I'm going to pick it up at John 8, 31. So Yeshua said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we're talking about truth here. Now, the disciples turn around and respond kind of stupidly, where they say, We're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. This is while they're up to their hips in Romans. The question I would ask is, What is this truth you're speaking about? They never ask that question. So what I'm going to try and answer for you is, what is this truth that he is speaking of, and why does it set us free? Now, interestingly enough, I just discovered this last night as I was setting this up. I had never realized it. The book of John is consumed with talk about the truth. The other Gospels are not. I mean, he says, truly, truly, I say to you and so forth, which just means listen up. But... John is very much interested in the truth, and I'll give you some examples. The one I just read, if you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth, and truth will set you free. Then John 16, I still have many things to say to you, this is Yeshua speaking, but you cannot hear them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, he is described by Yeshua as the spirit of truth. Then we get down to John 17, and this is where Yeshua is praying for his disciples. They, his disciples, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's you. But again, notice the emphasis on truth. And by the way, he says of God, your word is truth. Now, in the Hebrew sense, what that means is your word is reliable, it can be trusted, just like a bridge. If I say that's a true bridge, that means that that bridge is reliable and I can cross it safely and trust it. So God's word being true means that it's trustworthy. And then we get down to his trial before Pilate. And I'm in John 18. Then Pilate said to him, So, you're a king. Yeshua answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now, we're all used to sort of sophomoric arguments where somebody says snarkily, what is truth? That's not Pilate. He's serious. Because in Greek philosophy, which he is educated in, truth is regarded as something that most people cannot figure out. Plato, for example, has said that truth is something that only the highest caliber philosophers can figure out. Marcus Aurelius says, we really don't know anything. Everything is just opinion. We just have opinions and we think those are true and we go on. And by the way, that is very often true. That a lot of the things we believe are true are simply opinion. So that's the perspective on truth of greek philosophy so when pilate says what is truth he is not being snarky he is genuinely saying you say you're bearing witness to the truth what is this he then doesn't go into a conversation with him because he's about to kill him but the question is honest so what is this truth that yeshua is going to tell us or show us and how does that set us free One other thing before I go on, truth is hard to find. And I ran across this, coincidence not being a kosher word, back in 2017, I believe, there was a conservative speaker that was coming to uh, Claremont College in California. And the black students and so forth pitched a riot, got the speaker canceled, and then they wrote a letter... To the college president about this. And I'm going to get just a chunk of that. I'm not going to read the whole letter because it would be really turgid. This is the letter Your statement, the president's statement, contains unnuanced views surrounding the academy and a belief in searching for some venerated truth. Historically, white supremacy has venerated the idea of objectivity and welded a dichotomy of subjectivity versus objectivity as a means of silencing oppressed peoples the idea that there is a single truth the truth is a construct of the euro west that is deeply rooted in the enlightenment which was a movement that also described black and brown people as both subhuman and impervious to pain this construction is a myth and white supremacy imperialism colonialism capitalism and the united states of america are all its progeny the idea that the truth is an entity for which we must search in matters that endanger our abilities to exist in open spaces is an attempt to silence and oppress peoples. And it goes on like that. First of all, understand that the people writing this are affirmative action babies. The reason that they're there is because of their minority status, whatever that is. And they go on to describe themselves as African-American, Hispanic, Muslim, you know, just so forth. And what they're saying is, we are in this university which, according to its mission statement, is dedicated to finding the truth and teaching the truth. And what we're saying is, that is completely invalid. This university is a vehicle for white supremacy and oppression. So the question becomes, why are you here then? But the point I'm making is, this gibberish you will find all over our culture today. It's postmodernism. So when they say that there is no such thing as an objective truth that can be discovered, and they say that it is a white Western construct, they are going against what Yeshua says in the Bible. And what Yeshua says is, I will show you the truth, and the truth will make you free. So if you run across people that spew this gibberish at you, you can disregard them because what they're doing is they're saying that the thing that you believe in, which is what God says, which is that there is truth, is completely invalid. And it's simply used to oppress minorities. So the reason why truth is important is because our culture right now is awash in this stuff. Let's say I just picked one example. If I would cared to look, I could have found lots of them. All right. So what is this truth that Yeshua speaks of? Well, one of the things that he is doing, and it goes throughout the entire gospel, but it's pretty strong here in John 8, is he is going head to head with organized religion. And what has happened in Judaism, and what, by the way, has happened in Christianity as well, because people are people, humans are humans, we all behave more or less the same way is that Judaism, which starts out at Sinai, has turned into something that is unrecognizable from its origins. And a lot of what is being taught in the synagogue is junk. And one of the things that Yeshua does is he goes head-to-head with these people and he challenges this junk that has crept into the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as I'm saying, we also have exactly the same problem in the Christian church. This is not endemic just to Jews. People do that. One of the things that we all do is we engage in what I call wishful thinking. What we do in wishful thinking is we try and think up things that are congenial to us, and we think that they're true, or we regard them as true. And the problem that we have is stupidity hurts, but the pain is delayed. Stupidity doesn't hurt immediately. In some cases, it takes hundreds of years. Let me give you an example from Jeremiah. I'm in Jeremiah 6. And this, by the way, is where we get the little masthead that we have in all of our literature. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the crossroads and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Here, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. Now, what is happening here, and it's happening to us as a nation, is the stupidity that we have engaged in is causing us to drift into things that are not good. And God doesn't have to do anything to us. Our own behavior will do it to us as consequences. Same thing happens with Israel. I mean, finally God gets to the point where he whistles up the Babylonian Empire, in the case of Jeremiah, sands them all flat and sends them into exile. And the purpose of that exile, by the way, is chastisement to correct them. i turned off the rain you've got all sorts of problems and so on so but you're not paying attention stupidity hurts but your pain threshold just keeps going up finally he sends the Babylonian Empire and sends them off and sends them off to Babylon and then they go oh that's what you meant that's the way we are we have this high toleration for pain and you all were praying about the situation in Ivaldi. interesting article Mental health is not the problem. Our society is the problem which causes mental health problems. So you have these young men who are rootless, many cases fatherless, not always. A lot of them are on mood-altering drugs, prescribed, come from broken homes, growing up in broken societies, and all of a sudden they go crazy and we're saying, where did that come from? It came from us, from the foolishness of our ideas that we have let go to seed. And we are seeing that, and God isn't doing anything. All he has to do is just sit back there and watch. God didn't cause it. It is simply the consequences of our culture that we have allowed to grow up. And what God is saying to Israel is exactly the same thing. As your culture becomes more and more corrupt... Things are going to go downhill for you, and you're going to get grumpy, and you're going to say, Well, why isn't God doing something here? Well, the reason he isn't doing something is because he is allowing you to live with the consequences of your own stupidity in the hopes that you will figure it out and correct it. Most of you are parents. And one of the things that most parents do occasionally is administer a SWAT to the backside when a child is out of line. Appropriately so. And the purpose of that sudden sharp pain is to get the kid's attention and say, wait a minute, what I am doing here is not right. God treats nations the same way. And he lets us experience the consequences of our stupidity, hoping that we'll figure it out. Now, let's go back to Yeshua and the truth. One of the things interesting in today's reading is calls your father Satan and he said Satan is a liar well what that means in Hebrew speak is Satan is unreliable he can't be trusted he can't be dependent on. go back to our bridge example a true bridge is one I can trust across Satan is not true he can't be trusted that's what that means now One of the problems that we have, and they have, they had in the case of Jeremiah, and they had at the time of Yeshua, and we have today, is you have lying prophets. So, taking you to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? who prophesy the seat of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams, that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. And what the prophets are doing at that point is they're saying everything's going to be fine. I've got a word from God. It's going to be okay. That's what the prophecies are. Our prophets are news media, pundits on TV and whatever. What they're doing is they are feeding us lies. In fact, I saw one of these memes. Is it monkeypox season already? I still have my Ukraine decorations up. The point is we are awash in lies that are intended to keep us from seeking the truth. They're intended to keep you so busy and so agitated and so forth that you don't have time to seek God's truth. That's the whole purpose of it. And, of course, a lot of people, like our young people at Claremont College that I read about, aren't even trying to seek the truth. They're just changing the decorations on their Twitter page according to what the latest thing is. You know, today it's a Ukraine flag, next week it'll be, a monkey. you know, whatever. And they just go along with the culture. Now, what's this truth Yeshua is talking about? The first part of the truth is he is dethatching the church junk, the stuff that has accumulated in Judaism up until that point, going straight at it and saying, No, that's not what it says in the Torah. And by the way, the key phrase that you will see over and over again, both in Yeshua and Paul, is the phrase, It is written. What he's referring to is Moses as written. What the jews are doing and what christianity is doing today is they are adding stuff they are saying this is true religion and what yeshua is doing is taking them back to moses and saying it is written for example you say that if you dedicate something to the temple you don't have to support your family moses says of your father and your mother what you've done is you've negated moses by your traditions Our churches do the same thing. This is case studies, if you will. This is how people behave. This is how we behave. And what Yeshua is doing is trying to cut through the thatch of all that and bring you back. Now, what's he bringing you back to? Well, he says that the word of God is true. What does that mean in the context of Hebrew? The word of God is reliable. You can trust it. Which is to say, if you organize your life according to the word of God, things will go well for you. You will build a reliable bridge that you and your children, after you can cross over. And so if you follow Yeshua and you are his disciple, notice there's a caveat here in today's reading. So Yeshua said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Notice there's an if statement there, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the idea here is you got to listen to what he says. And what he's doing is he's clearing out all the accumulated thatch that has grown up in Judaism and is bringing people back to Moses. And he says, that's what's true. That's what's reliable. That's what you can count on. And if you organize your life that way, generally speaking, things will go well for you. And you will not be up to your hips in Romans or Babylonians or Assyrians or whoever the latest invader is. Because you will prosper. Things will go well. Ten men will chase ten thousand. I don't remember what the exact ratio is. But the point is, because you are righteous and because you're doing what I'm going to do, you will be able to stand against all this stuff. And you will truly be free. That's what Yeshua is saying here. He's taking you back to the written word of God and saying, live your life that way. And get rid of all the thatch that's accumulated. This book by Yoram Hazoni that I'm reading, they say it's philosophy of Hebrew scripture. He has a quote in there which I like very much. If there is a way for human beings to attain the truth... It will have to be by way of the flawed mental apparatus which God has equipped us. That's a very profound statement. Contrary to Greek philosophy, it doesn't take a high-level philosopher to find the truth. We all have the ability to find it. Because if we didn't, then God would be terribly unjust. If he expects you to find the truth, and he doesn't give you the tools you need to do that. And that's everybody from the common laborer digging a ditch all the way up to whoever. Everybody has the tools that they need. The problem, of course, is that we get distracted by the world and we don't use those tools. Or we get lied to by Satan or our false prophets and we think that those tools are unreliable. They're not. You have everything you need. All you need to do is resolve to search for it and search for it in the right place, which is in the Scriptures. That's where you search. You don't go searching off in wherever, because that's not where it is. And that's what Yeshua is saying. As His disciples who follow what is written, you can find the truth. And then once you find the truth, that will set you free. That's what He's saying. So, final thing. we look at our country, things do not look good. I won't lie to you. However, you've got what you need. The thing that you need to apply to the things that you have is courage. Take, for example, our president of that university in California. Instead of standing up and saying to these race hustlers, basically, Sit down. Shut up. This is a university that seeks truth. If you don't like that, go someplace else. That's what he should have said. Because that's his job. Instead, we got all this weasley, appeasing stuff. And as far as I know, everybody who signed that letter graduated. And they're out now in the workplace. So it takes courage to stand up before this junk that gets thrown at you. And as. We read today, at the end of Leviticus, be strong, be strong, be encouraged. And the strength that you need is to recognize what's false and what's true and be able to tell the difference and be able to say something.